Welcome to Lacrosse and Sport, the show for the fastest game on two feet. Brought to you by Vieira Lacrosse and Sport, Central Florida's premier center for the finest lacrosse equipment, apparel, and training. Now, here are your hosts, Roger Welton and Steve Jordan. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Lacrosse and Sport, the podcast for the fastest game on two feet. My apologies for my voice this evening. I've done a lot of coaching lately for far too many teams, but my co-host, Steve Jordan, has a perfect voice. How you doing, Steve? Doing great, Raj. I don't know if I'd call it perfect, but I definitely think it's better than yours. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to hope that you do more talking this episode than me. I know that's hard for me to do. I have diarrhea of the mouth, but um, <laughs> at, at any rate, uh, part of the reason my, my voice is gone is very exciting times going on. I'm in the midst of tournament season for my tournament teams, but what's even more exciting than that is the new recreational format of lacrosse for youth, which is a big part of what we're going to talk about today. U.S. Lacrosse has some really exciting initiatives, and Steve, I'm really excited that you can weigh in on the physical development side of it because that's your wheelhouse. I know you've perused the article, and uh, you know, if any initial thoughts you could throw out there before we dive into the subject would be appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think that this is a very relevant subject uh, for lacrosse or, that's, or any sport or the development of any child. Uh, in the world of sports and athletics and movement, uh, I think that motor development, motor learning, motor coordination are all key elements in the growth and maturity of every person on earth. However, it's more important and more relevant for an athlete. And there are so many factors that come into play that are seen and unseen that coaches, parents, and players have to consider. Back in the day when you and I were growing up, we went out and played, you know, in the yard. Uh, we went out and went to the the school playground. We went out wherever we could, in the in, even in the woods, right, and climbed and jumped, and uh, we we were moving like animals, so to speak. And today, unfortunately, that's just not the blueprint of uh, of of the world anymore. We're playing more video games than ever. We're sitting down more than ever. And it's not just adults, it's the children as well, probably even more so than the parents. And with that comes a, a challenge in the development of kids' motor skills, kids' uh, his neuro, neuromuscular connection, which just means mind-body connection, their ability to perceive time and space, uh, hand-eye coordination, all very important key components in building an athlete. So I'm excited to talk about a lot of these different skill sets uh, and be able to offer some solutions for the audience to be able to implement immediately so that they can begin to hone in on them and be, create a better athlete. Thanks for that, Steve. And, and I guess on the upside, the change in the whole lifestyle, there's a lot less broken bones. <laughs> That's yeah. my observation. I remember some one of us in our group always, always had some, some kind of cast on at some point in our lives. But whatever the case... You know, I still think that's the better way to live, but, you know, we have to change with the times. And as we change with the times, we have to adapt. And one of the things that U.S. lacrosse has done is really 
research this. I, I absolutely love U.S. lacrosse. I don't know how much I've gotten that across in this podcast, but U.S. lacrosse, what an incredible entity and what an incredible resource because not only do they give us best coaching practices, they also are very scientific and, and kind of very much delve into the, I guess, your world, Steve, where it's sports physiology, kinesiology, the things that you're trained for, but at the child level, and then they take it all the way up through until that child graduates high school, goes on to college. So one of the things that I'm really excited about, and I'm living it right now, is let's first talk about small ball. Small ball is really important. So we made a change this year in our rec program. We are going for girls and for boys, five, or I'm sorry, four V4. So this is four on one team, four on the other. Of course, each team might have eight players, but, you know, running substitutions through the box. Ready for this? Everybody's a midi. There's no mm. attack. There's no defense. The field is smaller. It's two-thirds the size of a regulation field. All too exact specifications, proportions, smaller field. Mm. U.S. lacrosse supports this from U7 all the way through U15 girls and boys because it leaves everybody engaged on the ball 100%. More touches, more experience, more lacrosse IQ that gets gained because you're not in set positions, Mm -hmm. and more fun, which is the most important thing. Yeah. Well, I have a thought on that just initially. Um, You know, when we have our camps and uh, Ray and Brian McGill and many of the pros that come down to teach us and instruct the kids, we often break them down into smaller groups. And I've heard them say countless times how important it is to play in environments that are smaller. Uh, They'll often play uh, an indoor league in the winter, especially back east where the climate isn't like it is in Florida or here in California. And they do so. Yeah, right. They do. The weather is pretty good. Well, northeast. Right. (laughs) You're in Florida. So but the point is that they have to rely on a different skill set that is very relevant for the game of lacrosse and or any sport if you have the multi-sport athlete. You know, there's much quicker response times. You have reflexes that are challenged, uh, more hand-eye coordination because the ball is moving in shorter distances and faster. Uh, and it's, you know, you have shorter shorter, uh, shorter uh, ground and you have to make more moves, you have to be more. Are really, I think, a very key factor in that. I think the U.S. Lacrosse Association was awesome for implementing that. I think that's a great, great rule. Well, you hear about it and you think, well, this sounds like a good idea. And there's skeptics, of course. There's skeptics. I was one of them. I thought, well, you know, maybe by U11 they're ready to go and, and do positional or whatever, but. You know, here I am. We had our first week, Steve, of this format. And we had skeptics among the parents who were like, really? I don't quite see where this is going. I don't quite, I don't know, I'm not feeling this, you know, because they were used to the previous way. But we had our first Wednesday of girls' games and our first Saturday of boys' games. Steve, it was amazing. Mm. Everybody was engaged. Everybody was fighting for the ball. Nobody was bored. There was no imbalance. 
because, you know, if you have a team that has a weak defense and so the ball's consistently on the offensive side of the field, their attackmen are bored out of their minds, right? The goalie and the defense are getting a lot of work, <laughs> but the attackmen are bored out of their minds. So in this format, nobody's swatting at butterflies, and it's especially true, especially true at the U9 and U7 divisions. My little daughter, six years old, to see her engaged the way she was engaged, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. She goes, Daddy, can I be a midi today? And normally my answer would be, well, you got to take your turn. You get to be a midi. You get to be an attackman. You get, you know, she always wanted to be a midi because the midis get all the action. They play offense, defense. It's the best thing. And, of course, she knows Daddy's a midi. But yeah. I said, well, there baby, two- everybody's a midi. She goes, what? And then all the team goes, what? We're all midis? Holy cow, this is great. So, guys, Steve, sorry. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry to jump in, and I think that's awesome. There are two things that come to mind um, that, you know, from a training perspective and breaking it down scientifically, two things that come to mind that I think this is really relevant for. One is kids today and everybody today have attention spans of a gnat. Uh, their attention <laughs> spans are worse than they've ever been, uh, and I don't really have a – an opinion yet on whether that's good or bad. I know that the world today is so changing and, you know, you have to have, you know, like when, when our cell phones don't react to whatever we want to do in four seconds, we get all pissed off and think it's the slowest machine <laughs> and think we have to get a new one, right? You know, that's how, how quickly our brains now are adapting. And it's good because we need to make quick decisions in life today. It's moving very fast. So I think that that's really important there. So having the attention span of a gnat, as I said, can be good in this situation because it keeps them engaged. They're constantly moving, and it avoids my next point, which is uh, paralysis by analysis, right? So I use this in my training. When people start thinking about what they need to do, they get paralyzed. They don't move as well. And I'm just like, just chill out. Just relax. Just move. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just move like this, and I show them. I demonstrate. I, I call it show and tell. So I show them, and I tell them, and it gives them a, a visual uh, way of seeing it. And so like if somebody's sitting on, you know, an attack, you know, they're sitting there thinking about maybe what they're going to do if the ball comes, or maybe they're not even thinking about the game. They're thinking about their boyfriend or their girlfriend and <laughs> something completely else. And then when the ball is coming to them, they're out of state, right? They're not in the right state of mind to ready to perform. So with the ball action going on, it never gives them time to think and settle and, you know, just keeps them on the go. So Momentum is, is, is a great asset for that. So those are two thoughts that uh, come to mind that I think that are really valuable for this new, this new format. Awesome. It's great feedback, phenomenal feedback. And so that, that part's working. And logistically, the parents who were skeptical are like, wow, I now see it. I've never seen my kid more engaged. I've never seen my kid more having more fun. Um, it's amazing. And there's some kids that are actually rising to the creme de la creme that previously I didn't know if they ever had a chance, honestly. You know? Mm, cool. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. Cool. Cool. So, so that's one part of it. So the, you know, the lacrosse athletic development model of, of U.S. lacrosse, I would encourage everybody to look into that. But let's look at Steve. Now the physiological breakdown of children. And let's, let's now have realistic expectations. As coaches, as parents, let's look at this. 
because it's really important. So when you're frustrated with your kid ever, let's think about all of these points. I recently wrote an article about this and this, this information I did not come up with on my own. I don't have the time to do sports research. I got it directly through U.S. lacrosse. So all uh, full, what do you call it, transparency. It's all from U.S. lacrosse, but I just kind of condensed the most important parts in my article. So when we're frustrated with our kids, let's think about this. 50% of an athlete's ability originates from genetics inherited from his or her parents. So, you know, one point I made in my article is that there is a reason that two out of three of Archie Manning's sons are Super Bowl champions and NFL MVPs, right? Mm. 50% of that ability to do that came from dad. Thoughts on that, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just wrote an article about heredity on my site, blog site called Trainer to the Stars, Dot com. And yeah, I mean, listen, we, there's a, an old saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? And it's true. It has so many implications and heredity is a big part of it for several reasons. You have nature and nurture, right? So the nature of it is that you have genes, a DNA that uh, has the ability to be expressed and be athletic, right? So if you were a child born like let's just take one of the Manning kids, if they were never exposed to sport, they would have the genetic predisposition to do something, but if, and if they didn't do anything about it, they would never become an athlete. However, their father was an athlete, obviously a football player, and so they grew up in the nature of uh, athletics, and they and the family got them moving and doing things early, so those genetics were expressed. And their abilities were uh, compounded by the nature and the nurture of it all. So I think heredity is a big factor in it, uh, you know, who your parents were, what their athletic capabilities were, and then also their it like or dislike of sport and playing it and continuing playing it or playing it with you or supporting you uh, maybe as a coach or even just as a fan and, and bringing you to and from games is going to have a big output on whether you become an athlete or not. Steve, you actually segued very well into my next point, environment. <laughs> so environment, awesome. and that's the nurture part, and environment is actually 30% of an athlete's percent potential. And that's environmental influence, right? And that's nutrition, proper sleep, what the parents' interests are, where they drive the, ch- the child, where they drive the child away from, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, they can overdo it and make them hate the sport. Stress mm-hmm. in the home, lack thereof. And overall health, were they vaccinated? Were they immunized? Do they have access to good health care? Do they have weak immune systems? All of these things... That's 30%. That's a big number, dude. Yeah, it is. Very, very much so. And, you know, again, I'm not going to say too much more because I think I got my point across before. But definitely, you know, it really is about, like, are, are your parents interested in it? Like, my dad, I'm going to go to my lacrosse game. Can you bring me? No, I'm too busy. I've got to do this. Well, that's going to make that child feel rejected. It's not going to make them feel good. And so they're not necessarily intuitive enough or smart enough to really make, uh, you know, to, to separate the two. And so 
they're going to maybe shy away from it because they don't want to feel the rejection anymore. They don't want to feel the disappointment anymore. You know, if it happens once or twice, fine. But if it happens too often, they might find that. So that support is really important as well. It's not necessarily just all those other factors like nutrition, sleep, which I find as, you know, and and in life just to be super important as an athlete, absolutely important. So I feel that you got to be able to really everywhere support this from all angles. It's, it's multifaceted, multidimensional. Uh, it's just like anything else in life. You have to show it love, give it support and be able to nurture it, uh, from every single angle you possible can. So let's get to the good news. <laughs> I thought so, this was all good news. <laughs> it's all good news. It's all important news, but here's the best news for the person that really feels that a lot is up to them, right? A lot is up to the individual person. 15%, 15% of an athlete's potential is controlled by the athlete, him or herself. Mm. So per my words, these factors include determination, work ethic, attitude, and most importantly, the processing and dealing with adversity. Processing of and dealing with adversity. Mm. So... You know, Steve, I see it at a young age. I see it. Man, I've coached every division of lacrosse from U7, girls and boys now, by the way, because my daughter's six, all the way up to high school. I've coached seniors. And by the way, I'm coaching a college team as well now. I'm offensive coordinator for East Florida State College. And it starts... Almost innately, you know, you, it, it's it's hard to change hearts and mind with regard to this 15%. The kid mm. either has it or they don't, it seems. I actually Thoughts was going to say, uh, yeah, I was going to say the opposite. Uh, in my, and again, I haven't coached as much as you have in this space. But what comes to mind is, you know, yes, they have to have it. There has to be an interest in it. And I believe these are all skill sets that can be learned, right? You don't, you don't wake up, you know, and, and, you know, automatically have discipline. Nobody really has discipline. Discipline is a learned task, right? It's why the military teaches discipline as one of their, their foundation uh, attributes and why everything is in, in such a structure and order because it's discipline and you have to work at it. I believe how you do one thing is how you do everything. If there's no discipline in the home – uh, whether that's being, you know, from a parent's perspective, if the parent is not disciplining their children to do certain things, have certain habits, um, have standards in their lives that are going to nurture uh, the same same philosophies or the same type of standards that a lacrosse player or an athlete has to have, then there's going to be a, a, an imbalance. There's going to be contraindication there. So I would say that you know, it does. I think it starts from the home. The parents have to instill these principles and these these skill sets upon the children, not just in sport, but around the house. I remember growing up, my mom. I had to make my bed every morning. I had chores every week that I had to do, and I got a little salary for it. But it was you know pocket change and just money that I could spend on on a magazine or baseball cards or candy or whatever it was. Um, but, you know, these were things that I learned and they carried over in the sport and then sport nurtured it more. And I was able to, you know, really develop those that were they became just a part of who I was. 
And I believe that there's no coincidence that many athletes, when they leave sport, whether it be high school, college, or professional, become successful later in life as well. Or even employers that are looking for an employee, if they have, you know, collegiate, you know, athlete, Division One lacrosse player, football player, whatever it is, that person is going to be more inclined to take that person in an interview than they would over anybody else because they possess those skill sets that are necessary to be proficient and successful in the real world. So, you know, in my opinion, it starts from the home, the parenting, and being able to uh, get a lot of those skill sets. And then from there, sport will nurture it, create it. The coaches are also very influential and very important. And then you, you either... Like you said, you know, you either want it or you don't. If you decide it's a decision, a choice for you to to make those still a part of your life. Like I can wake up now and not make my bed, but I don't feel like my day is going to be as good if I don't make my bed first thing in the morning. You know, I have to bring my food to uh, you know to work and, and to work out because if I don't eat, why bring things that it's if I don't do those things and have those standards and I have high standards. Anybody that knows me, you know me well, like. It's sometimes challenging to be around me, but when you're around me long enough, you see that I don't impose my habits on you. They All of a sudden, you start to take on my habits, maybe not to the same capacity or at the same level, but you start to take on those habits. So you know, I think coaches are important, or have to be important. I think the leaders and the captains of the, of the teams have to be very outstanding, and they got to show and exemplify these habits. And then it will carry out into the rest of, of the team. So I may have been a little bit, you know, a little bit, a little too much information there. But I think it's a really important top, topic. And I don't know where it comes from exactly. But I do believe, it, you know, in my opinion and for my gut, it comes from the home. Well, the home, though, I would argue is the environment, which is 30 percent. Mm. Right. So the home may facilitate the intangibles, but. That's the home. So I think that was part of your biggest point there and everything you just discussed. I think it was a great discussion, but to me that still falls into environment. I do believe that people are innately born with a certain fortitude and you either have it or you don't. And there are some kids that it's there, you could see it, you recognize it, and maybe that 30% environment did not facilitate it. So as a coach, you could bring it out. Mm. And as a mentor, you could bring it out. But I've also found that I've seen ideally wonderfully nurtured children with that 30% environment being perfect. And yet that 15% intangible, it's just not there. Mm. And there's nothing I can do as a, as a coach to ever change that. It's innate in the child and the person eventually and the, the adult. But whatever the case, it's a great discussion because there's so many things that go into the development of our kids and eventually our grown-ups that go far beyond lacrosse. Of course, this is a lacrosse and athletic blog, and, or I'm sorry, uh, podcast and, and the blog, blogs, plural, that are associated with it. But let's look at, Steve, the next thing that really surprised me. I did not know this until U.S. Lacrosse enlightened me. A child's proprioception or the ability to orient oneself in space or respond to shifts in positioning 
and the imbalances associated with that and the quickness to react to those imbalances, it's not fully developed until they're 13 years old. That's amazing. Yeah. So it does come, again, back to the genetics, faster to some than others. But I think that coaches should not read too much into the fact that the U11 team may be having difficulty throwing or catching on the run because proprioception is really the intrinsic factor in the ability to do that. Or even the frustration, let's say, with your own kid, you know. And then all of a sudden, we, we always say this in coaching. Wow, something just clicked with this player. Mm. I thought he was all thumbs. And all of a sudden, so-and-so looks amazing. Well, maybe his physical development just finally caught up. And you were maybe pigeonholing him, pigeonholing the kid unfairly because his proprioception was not fully developed. Mm-hmm. Thoughts now... Yeah, definitely. And, and proprioception is something that I use every single day. I actually had a conversation with a client today uh, who's in his mid-60s, and we're working on balance. Balance is something I do with every single client, no matter how old, young, or athletic they are. And um, in my opinion, it's, it's definitely probably one of the biggest factors in athletics. And yes, it does fully develop. Uh, and I don't want to say fully because it could still – you still get better at it. Like it's like reading, right? So when if you don't read for a while, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? Same thing with balance. If you don't use it, you lose it. Although I believe that it may, what they're saying, fully mature at age thirteen, or maybe meet its, you know, its its limits at thirteen. I still believe that engaging and being involved in athletics and working on uh, training in different environments. Uh, multi playing multi sport, giving your body different types of stimuli, is going to be important for that proprioception development. Because if you don't do anything up until thirteen, and just it's not like a light switch at thirteen when you hit your thirteenth birthday, and you turn on a light switch and you're like, all right, I got all my proprioception. Not that that's a common word you're going to use in your conversations, but you know, it's going to be like, okay, now it's time to go play sport. I think it's important to get done early. Some people mature faster than others, but I think you can nurture the development and make it the the capacity or your capacity of being more well-rounded and like you said let you know the light turned on something clicked uh you know a better athlete can be nurtured earlier and so i think proprioception is something that can be developed and i don't think you necessarily hit your peak at 13 it may be matured you could always still get better i got clients who are in their 50s and 60s who never played sport and develop, you know, decent proprioception for them to be able to be functional and move in a better way. So, um, but it is something that you definitely need to to be mindful of. And at 13, if that's what they're saying, you know, I think what you said is really important about knowing that as a coach and maybe not being so hard on the players, um, you know, abilities and being able to have that as a, as a, I don't say cushion, but just something to think about so that you're a little more compassionate and empathetic. Compassion and empathy are so important to what we do as youth coaches. I know you need less of that as time goes on. You go in the upper levels of of play. We all got to be big boys at some point, big girls. And eventually you have the, the reality of Wow, I may not just be—I may just not be good enough, and I, I'm doing everything I can. But you know, 
we don't need to sub- subject the kid to that reality. We need to facilitate and also know, though, that they might be struggling at one point because of many of these factors, but, you know, come a later stage, they might be amazing. I think it is one kid, Trey Nixon's his name, not a lacrosse player, not a lacrosse story. There's a rule in the youth club for football in my town. It's called the four-play rule, Steve, where if you're a we- you're guaranteed four plays, right, in a game. So you know the number of plays in a game on the offensive, de- de- defensive side of the ball in football. So if you play four plays, how much of the game are you really seeing? Virtually nothing. Fraction. Yeah, nothing. Right. Like like one 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 hundredth or less than that. It's it's four ridiculous. It's it's yeah. it's actually I don't agree with it. It's not my call, it's not my club, but luckily my kid was not when he played in his club was not a four down kid, but um I felt for the kids that were. But at any rate, this kid Trey Nixon was a four down kid. And Trey Nixon by the time he reached eighth, eighth grade, suddenly blossomed. Suddenly he's six foot three, runs like a gazelle, has the hands of the stickiness of a squid, <laughs> you know, squid tentacles. And he's got like a four three forty. And he went on to star for our football team. And the football team that he was part of went to Florida State championship which is amazing lost to st thomas aquinas but you know in all fairness <laughs> michael irvin's kid was on st thomas aquinas you know they're parochial they can recruit mm-hmm. so Vieira loses that game but trey nixon was an all-american state of florida he got a full scholarship to play for old miss where he actually mm-hmm. didn't start but got significant playing time as a freshman all right so a four down player as a kid suddenly becomes trey nixon the superstar isn't that case in point? It is. Uh, it is to a degree. I think you know. There's. I think more factors <clears throat> that can play into just proprioception and balance. Um, but absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to argue that at all. But I support it, and I find that there's just almost. It's like training. It's hard to. This is what you know. Scientists tend to do. And you know, listen. I'm a scientist. Um, I, I love the way the human body moves and its adaptations and it's, it's mystery still. Uh, there's still much of it we don't understand, but we do understand more today than we ever have. But we try to break things down to make it like a math where it's, you know, two plus two equals four. It's not necessarily the case. I, I find it hard to rationalize and to, to say that, you know, that it's because of this factor and that factor. There's so many variables. It's why I love doing what I do because I don't like, Math. I don't like two plus two equals four. I'm gonna I'm gonna argue two plus two could equal six. You know, hypothetically, I know it doesn't and it can't. But I like variables. I like to be able to manipulate as many variables as possible to create as many different opportunities or possibilities to make a better athlete, to make a better person, to be better. Um, and that's I think something that we also need to consider too. It's just not about the proprioception. It's it could have been. Yeah, the maturity. It could have been peer influence. It could have been uh, something that he or she watches or hears or sees. Today, there's more influence than we ever have. I think that's why athletes today are better than they ever were, too. 
because when we, you and I were growing up, we could never watch a lacrosse game unless we went to a live game, like where we would go to like Rutgers and drive out there and see a live Rutgers game. They didn't have it on TV except maybe the Final Four, and it was hard to catch, you know. No and that was all we got. Yeah, there was no one emulate. It was all we were all we were exposed to were the people in our surroundings. Today, you can YouTube anything and see the best of the best performing and doing, and you can slow motion it and create you know recreate their movements and and practice it so um there's so many variables but uh nonetheless it's still exciting and it's great to see that uh u.s lacrosse is even honing in on that and talking about it um and it, it makes me really feel great um that you know i've been doing this for a long time i've been in my business for 21 years and you know i've been teaching this stuff for over 15 16 years actually no Geez, we're in 2017. For, for 17, 18 years I've been teaching this stuff. This stuff has been in my wheelhouse for a long time. So, you know, it's great to see that uh, the conversations out there and these terms are being thrown around and it's becoming a part of everyday language. So just to wrap this up and put a little bow on it, I'm just going to throw out a few facts here. The visual acuity of a child, meaning the peripheral vision, peripheral perception, continues to develop till the age of 12, yet most of these lacrosse players have had to look through helmet bars or protective goggles since, well, let's say well before 12, in the case of my kids since they're five, right? And so that debate rages on at what age is it appropriate to have our athletes playing the type of lacrosse that necessitates these protective items. That's for another episode, Steve. <laughs> mm. Balance. The vestibular system of the body that spans the inner ear apparatus and continues via the vestibular cochlear nerve and ends of the brain stem continues to develop until 16 years of age. Mm. Right? That's why, you know, I, I think it best explains that at the age of 42, I can outjuke more than half of my tournament team players with no problem and D them up, not because I can physically compare to them whatsoever. I think that they're still working on their balance, honestly. You know, mm-hmm. most of them are bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Most of my eighth graders are bigger than me. Um, breathing and lung capacity this is another interesting fact. Children under the age of 13, each breath takes one third of the oxygen of the adult breath, which results in a 50% faster breathing rate and ready for this a 50 to 75 percent faster heart rate so mm. when we're not we i don't do this but coaches that are considering conditioning their young athletes as if they're college athletes and doing things to them that they would do to or that they experienced as college athletes or high school athletes it's wrong it's just flatly wrong Mm-hmm. Leg strength is the last stat, Steve. I know I don't want to get into analysis paralysis. Leg The leg strength and squat jump height typically weakens and corrects between 11 and 12 years of age due to the amount of energy expenditure necessary to simply grow during this typically rapidly growing period. So this is generally going to cause an inevitable dip in the child's performance that, again, will peak later on in the athlete's teenage years. Now, I say that age is 
11 to 12. But I think in my case, it was like 15 to 16. Because, <laughs> you know, what my voice changed, if you remember, at like, what, my sophomore year, my voice changed. You mm-hmm. know? And then I saw, what I saw was I got to college and became a much stronger player. I was faster. I was, had better endurance. I was just better. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I actually started shaving at that point, too. So, you know, I think that's a very good example of sometimes you just got to be patient. So what do we do with all this information, Steve? Um, I'm going to leave you with one last stat. The National Alliance for Youth Sports reports that 70% of kids are dropping out of organized sports by the age of 13. Mm. By the age of 13, 70%. So the lacrosse athletic development model that U.S. lacrosse is determined to implement is enacted, at least for our sport, to stem this tide and go back to the days when that wasn't happening. You got the floor, buddy. Uh, it couldn't, be, couldn't have been a better lead off into what I was going to answer before I even heard all that. Just move. All this information is great. And again, going back to analysis by paralysis, like, all this information is great. It's great topic of conversation. It's great to know. They're not needs to know. They're nice to knows. Um, what I say to clients, right? Sometimes, like you don't need to know. It's just it's nice to know it, but it's not going to make a difference. Just get up and move. Get out and play. Support your local your local clubs. Uh, if you're you know a player and you're not playing, practice, man. You get out there and you know go out and practice. Find some coaches. Uh, you know, if your parents aren't supporting you, hang out with friends like you and Raj. Not that my parents didn't support me, but, you know, I just found more influence sometimes in you know, your house. Like, surround yourself around those that are successful um, and or those that are in alignment with who you want to be and what you want to be and how you want to perform on and off the lacrosse field in life. Um, you know, that... All, all this information is great, and I think it's very relevant and very important. But at the end of the day, just get out there and go. Just play. Play your hearts out. Agreed. And one of the things that this format is providing, I mean, the rec system where everybody's a MIDI and it's a smaller field and everybody gets a touch, that's rec. So rec means that it's for everybody, regardless of skill level. Everybody plays. And that's there for everybody. Those highly competitive kids. And let's face it, Steve, the highly competitive parents, some of which are delusional on how good their kid is, but let, that's another subject, another episode. <laughs> um, hmm. But those highly competitive kids, that's what travel ball team. that's what travel teams are for, travel ball. We have that still. It starts at U11. Nine and 10-year-olds can travel around the state of Florida and compete. But the rec is for everybody who wants to try it. And that's a great point. I think, I think you said, pick up your stick, go out there, and do it. It's there. If you become good at it and you love it, you can go to the next level and beyond. Still with me, Steve? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I couldn't agree more. Uh-huh. I think it's yeah. No, I was. I didn't really. I thought you were going to continue to go. I just. I think uh, I made my point, and I think you made your point. I think it's you know really just get out there and do it. 
the only way you can get better at doing anything is just do it. And on that note, I think that's a good way to uh, say goodnight. What a great topic, Steve. You know, I, I, awesome. I appreciate this because I think it really involves very equally both of our wheelhouses, my side, the lacrosse, yours, the sports physiology and the training. I think it's one of the best episodes we've had, in my opinion. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it was really great. And I'm looking forward to doing the next one. Thanks awesome. all for listening. Let's, ho- let's hope our audience agrees. Thank you for listening, everybody. Lax on. <laughs>